This is a We Are On We production. You're only one of like I think my third my third guest I've had on here, but you're a damn oh, nice. You, you're you're a damn big one. You're like I've like I've got oh, little, you know, little <laughs> well I've got you know little guys like there's 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 smaller guys but you're one of the more prof- the bigger names. You're the bigger names on here. Dead on Dave. What? So am I'm I like, a big name? That that's so bizarre to me. I'm still just to me. I'm just a fat guy sitting in a basement. It's so it's so bizarre. <laughs> well, I think that is well like. Maybe that's a humble thing, you know. Like, there's a lot of big people who don't think they're big, regardless of the number. Like, it's but there's a lot of people. Who I, I let guess that... because my subs didn't go crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But like, I guess because I'm still sitting at 8,500, I'm like, ah, I'm big. Wait a second. No, nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> you, got a, you got a pretty. You've got that. You got a, a bit of an audience. Like, you've got a bit of a constant audience who come to see your stuff. So, like. In the end, what all? I'm what very fortunate. I got a great little. I got a great little following. I'm very fortunate for that, and I'm. Uh, I love the community that I have. So yeah, no, I I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's not every day you get a good audience like that. It's not hard. It's not. I mean, yeah. Well, it's not easy. It's not easy to build an audience like that. That respect, like a like a no, good audience. It's, like it's, it's taken a long time. Oh god, <laughs> it's yes. taking quite a long time. <laughs> I did have a qu- one of my first questions that I want to ask you was: What do you if, when people ask you what you do? What do you say? Like, what do you tell them? Uh, well, I'm unique. I have a very unique answer to that because I don't really do anything. Uh, I, you know, I'm medically retired. I was in the United States Army for 10 years. I got hurt. And I've been me- medically retired since 2010. So I don't really do anything aside from take care of my family, you know, watching, raise my daughter and take care of the house. And then other than that, I'm a full-time YouTuber, I guess. I, I You know, so... Uh, luckily nobody really asks me that question very often because <laughs> I have no social life in the real world. So, uh, yeah, it's, I just kind of do my thing. Uh, if people ask, I guess I would say I'm a YouTuber. Interesting. Um, dead on Dave. Why the name dead on Dave? Uh, it's, that's funny because it started, like I've been called that my entire life at different times because I'm very opinionated and I happen to be correct about a lot of things, usually out of luck. So, I mean, when I was in the Army, it always got joked about, oh, dead on, dead on day, blah, blah, blah. But the guy who's really responsible for it as far as YouTube is Tommy C. Mm. Uh, him and I started working together. I've known Tommy for 10 years. We knew each other in the Army. But we started working together as far as podcasting about five or six years ago. And one of the first things he did, he just kind of dubbed me dead on Dave, you know, when I was on shopping the point, his original hockey podcast, that's what he called me. And it kind of stuck from there. Even when him and I took a break from each other for a year, we, uh, it's still, it's just always stuck. And I've just kind of embraced that and it, it was, it's worked. So Tommy started first, like he started doing online broadcasting in a loose sense first before you, is that right? He started about two weeks before me, Oh, uh, really? Maybe, maybe closer to a week. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were talking about it. Because I was in a really dark place in my life, and so was he. We were actually going through, both of us were going through a lot of personal baggage at that time. And he started, he wanted to do a hockey podcast, and I was kicking around the idea of doing my own show, my own podcast. And then we just kind of started uh, doing stuff together, and it kind of evolved from there. Hmm, interesting. 
So when did you when did you start doing YouTube yourself? Like when did your channel sort of become a regular thing that you started putting yourself into? Well, uh, six years ago, I started just doing Pod Bender, or excuse me, Podbean, Podomatic, stuff like that. And I was doing that. I didn't. I never wanted to go to YouTube. I thought it was too complicated. I was like, man, it's just such a pain in the ass. Blah blah blah. Uh, but I started on YouTube in September of 2014. So I'm coming up on my three year anniversary here really soon. And I started with Joe Cronin Show. Ooh. which is a wrestling podcast, wrestling and kind of shock jockish, jockish type stuff here on YouTube. I started with that uh, after I alluded earlier that Tommy and I actually took a break from each other for a year because we were both going through a lot of shit and we ended up uh, just kind of burning each other out uh, personally. So we took a break from each other. We didn't talk for an entire year. And then he reached out to me and started telling me about uh, an opportunity to work with a wrestling podcaster and it started. And then I worked with Joe Cronin for well, a little over a year, got fired twice in that time period. Oh, Jesus. Uh, during that time I started my own channel and it's just kind of stuck. And so yeah, three years is the short answer. I guess the long answer wasn't completely necessary. <laughs> the short answer is three years. <laughs> so you got, she fu- got fired. How did that, what happened? Twice. Yeah. How did that Same happen? guy. Uh, Joe Cronin's an interesting guy and, um, he's a, he can <laughs> be easy way to put it. He's a very interesting. Yeah. He's a very interesting cat and he's very similar to Keemstar in a lot of ways. Hmm. So like all the s- situation that Tommy and I have had to deal with Keemstar, it's like, we've lived this before already. We lived this exact same situation before with the Joe Cronin situation, which all this is documented and people can find it if they're like, oh, what's going on? It's all documented. Somebody made a really good video about everything that happened and it's it's dropped. You can find it. But still, I digress. Um, So we lived through this before. Joe is very emotional and he can take things in a pretty crazy. There was a situation that happened that he wasn't happy and it kind of escalated publicly that he took it to a public place. And um, he fired me and somebody else publicly. And the other guy went back and I didn't. Uh, that You fired me twice. I take it personally and I don't come back. Well, you, you, cannot, you cannot. I can't blame you. I cannot blame you for leaving a situation like that. That's toxic. That's, that's, there's it no, there's it no other word for it, really. But it's like it sort of led to it, you. It was difficult. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I did it's been a yeah. sort of like <laughs> yeah sorry it just led it led to you doing your chat like it's led to your channel sort of growing hasn't it really like it's well you know it's putting funny. yourself when back I started into it with Joe Cronin's show I didn't I didn't even want to do my own channel mm. you know I I wanted to work on his channel the whole plan was for me to create videos for him I was going to like do the uh the raw reviews and everything and back then it was much different for me and my I, my pain was different that I was in uh, I was staying up all night, so all of that was very viable. But I was c- going to create other videos. In fact, I created, I think, nine videos for Joe Cronin, and I sent them to him, and he never uploaded them. So I said, well, I did all this work. Screw it. I'm just going to create my own channel and upload the videos there. And he was like, yeah, that's fine, and you know, I'll help you build a little bit, and we'll, we'll get you subs. Because he wasn't paying me, so pay you in subs. So it made sense to me. So I started growing with him um, a little bit, gained a little bit of a following, and then when I left Joe Cronin's show, I had about right around a thousand subs, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more. And then everything has kind of just evolved from there. 
Are you happy with your Are you happy with your channel, or are you sort of? Oh God, yeah, do, yeah. Because do you do you want it to grow? Or be, because from what I can oh, see, you seem like someone like obviously want to grow, but you're sort of you're content. You're content with how it is and who you have in a way. Do you know what I mean? I'm a very go with the flow type of guy, hmm. and. If I'm not having fun, I simply don't care. I won't. I won't do this. I, I'm I, like I said. I'm in pain constantly. I have severe nerve damage on my left side. I'm constantly in pain. If I am not having fun, I'm. I don't need to be a part of it. You know, I'm not making thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars off of this. I, I do okay thanks to the unbelievable generosity of my viewership, who have kind of made this a fan funded project at this point. But it's. It's not necessary for me. So I'm very content. I'm very go with the flow. Whatever's going to happen, I feel like I could take it in stride. Do I want to grow? Would I like to be a successful, like have all kinds of money and move out of a basement? Absolutely. But it's not something that I'm not going to chase things for it. I'm going to do the things that make me happy. If it puts it, that's why I'm doing Pokemon now every day. I, 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 my channel has changed a little bit recently where I'm doing daily Pokemon streams where I am opening Pokemon cards. Why? Not because it's popular, because we all know that that's not the frigging case on YouTube, especially on Twitch, maybe. But I do it because it brings unbelievable joy to just to myself and other people who are passionate about those type of things. And I still do my regular stuff at night. My Dead on Dave Live, the wrestling, all that still happens at night. But I have an opportunity to do something else in the day, and it makes me happy, so I do that. And if it grows, which it seems to be doing, even better. Even It's just gravy for me. The growth is gravy. I love that. I love that. You, you're doing what makes you happy. And I can see that. A lot of people can see that you're enjoying it. Like, obviously, like, you, it's, like, everyone knows that, like, you'll pass and whatever, and, like, you, you're in pain. And seeing you happy and enjoying what you're doing, that's, like, that's it. Even if people don't even enjoy it, lots, like, some of the things you're saying or some of the stuff that's going on, seeing somebody who's really into what they're talking about, that's half the battle. That is really half the battle. Not a lot of people can speak as well as you do and can, do you know what I mean? You're like, you want, you're a really good, like, oh, what's the word? You're a really good personality. You really are. That. You really are. I wasn't, I wasn't blessed with a lot of things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> however, however you get created, whatever happens, like primordial soup or some man in the sky that's like, I got you on the operating table and fixing you up before you go get pooped out into the world. I wasn't bestowed with incredible athleticism, even though I was a decent athlete. I, uh, mm. when I was a kid before I got hurt and stuff, I, I I'm not a genius, although my grades were fine. I've never excelled in a in an exemplary manner on anything. But the one thing is I'm fairly articulate. I'm, I can talk a little bit and I enjoy talking and Lord knows I have an unbelievable amount of opinions. So I, I, to me, Chris Rock said it best to be able to speak for an extended period of time and hold the, the, I can't believe I just messed this up. Uh, and the whole the attention of a large group of people is a freakish ability. It's almost superhuman because it's so difficult to do. And he makes this analogy about Superman. What if Superman had to just start giving speeches? He would not. Would Superman be able to hold audiences? No, he'd have to like start talking for 10 seconds. He'd lose the audience. Then he had to fly up or bend a piece of bar to be able just to speak and hold people is very difficult. And I'm very proud of that, that people do tend to 
to, to, to like just listening to me, no matter what I'm doing, whether it be wrestling or Pokemon or anything else frivolous or going into a more serious topic like I like I do when it interests me. Hmm. That's interesting. I like that. I like that analogy with Superman. I've never heard that before. Never. Oh, really? Chris Rock said it on uh, Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee with Ooh. Jerry Seinfeld. I'm a I'm a big fan of comedy. I love comedy. I'm I, I'm a uh, this is so douchey and pretentious, but I'm a student of comedy. <laughs> I study it, and I, I absolutely love it. And <laughs> it's um it was one of the most poignant things I've ever heard because for one, it, it's it's very it, it's so douchey to say. It's like it, it's it's self self grand. Uh, it's very self-indulgent in a lot of mm. ways, you know, to say something like that. But I think it's also very accurate. We live in a very short attention span world where everyone's trying to scream as loud as they possibly can to garner as much attention as they can. So when somebody does come across and just able to talk, whether it be with jokes or with stories like Kevin Smith being able to talk at length the way he does and hold people for three, four, five hours, that's an unbelievable ability to me. And uh, Chris Rock, I think, absolutely nailed it. Jeez, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, and that sort of links to how today is with everybody has a podcast now. Everybody has a podcast. Like, that's oh, coming God. from me. But like, I enjoy talking, <laughs> and I enjoy like I've always enjoyed it, and that's why I started a podcast in the first place. But it's like every single person on the internet has some podcast of some sort. Most of them are dog yeah. shit. They really are. It's like they don't know how to talk to people. Like, I've right. I feel like. It's an, people just think they can just turn on a microphone and talk, but it's really, it's not as easy as that. It's really not. Oh God, no. Like you have but to But it know, comes off as easy. Yeah. Oh, it does, doesn't it? But the thing is. Pe- people, people think it's easy and people see money in it. So they chase it and they go after it, not really realizing how much can go into it and what you need to be able to put into it. But then there are people who aren't chasing and they're just talking to a microphone. Like I started six years ago just because. I like the sound of my own voice. I had opinions <laughs> that I had to get out of my head, and that's why I did it. So I don't think everybody is necessarily nefarious in their means for doing it, but I think there is a lot of people who are starting podcasts just because they're trying to chase the trend, and that always gets exposed. No, exactly. And in the end, the the cream rises. The, the best stuff's always going to shine been through. A, yeah. Yeah. I've always believed that. Uh, and with YouTube, it could be a little less true. Because you can, you, people right now can just start a fidget spinner channel and surpass me in subs by the end of the week. Uh, you could do that on YouTube because there's so much content. There's so many people who are constantly searching for things that you can do the frivolous. You can clickbait your way to a, a decent little successful stint, even if it's just short term. But eventually, over time, I think you burn people out. And mm. it, it is what it is. You know, you're going to eventually, you're, go, you're going to have to produce something that takes you to that next level. You're only going to be able to get so far with the frivolous. Now, some people have gotten farther than others, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I do believe that cream will inevitably rise to, the, rise to the top. Like, I think there's some people who, like, they, they obviously, like, you know, it's the clickbait and whatnot. Like, with your derves and your whatnot, who are just, you know, your clickbait stories, et cetera, et cetera. But there are some quote-unquote bullshit artists who have sort of adapted and done pretty well, and they've they're smart about it. Like they've found their audience and what that audience wants, 
And there's so yeah. I, and I can't even think of an example off the top of my head. That's a sad thing. Fousey Tube, Fousey Tube, Adam Sella, Joey Salads. I mean, they're all perfect examples of that. And I don't even, you know, the thing is with clickbaiting and bullshit content and stuff like that, I don't have a problem with it inherently. My biggest issue with a lot of these guys who do these things is the fact that they can't take criticism for who they are. Keemstar is another example of this. These guys, they they want the success, they want the influence, but they don't want the criticism. And when you try to give them that criticism, they either try to take you down through normal means of uh, sending waves of their followers after you, or like with what Clown did with uh, Tube when he did his video, Fousey in an absolute bullshit manner you know he hit he would inevitably hide behind his company that did this basically scooped all the money from clown's video that was over a million hit video and clown never saw a fucking dime from it and it's wrong i mean but these are the powers that these people that have that type of audience and influence have they have tools that we don't have and it's unfortunate because why they're soft and they can't take criticism own who you are, guys. If there's one message anybody gets from ever listening to anything that I do is simply be comfortable with who you are. If you can do that, everything else kind of falls into place. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's that self-awareness. Like, it just let people know that you're aware of what you're doing. It's not like you can do it in a way that doesn't destroy you, that you really can. Right. Like, it, to an extent, I think Joey Salads has done that. Like, obviously, like, he's appeared in a few H3H3 videos as himself, as, like, a... And it's not even, like, a, a um, an exaggerated version of himself. It's sort of the person he plays in his regular videos anyway. That sort of... Yeah. That douchebag sort of thing. If you're self-aware, I think it's sort of... It's going to do you a lot of favors. It really is. A lot, and, it, it's funny. Yeah. The self-awareness argument has gotten very interesting because self-awareness has now become a shield in, in a way. Hmm. But I think you could be fraudulently fraudulently self-aware i think that you could just say that you're self-aware in hopes that people aren't going to criticize you i don't i think people who are truly self-aware don't have to constantly say well i'm self-aware i know i'm a douchebag so it's okay i think that's bullshit i think that's an excuse that you're trying to get out in front of something it's i think there's nothing wrong with self-deprecation i do it all the time but i think when you're using it just to simply not allow somebody else to use that against you well you can't say that because i already said it well no motherfucker that's not how this works <laughs> of course i can still say it you're still open to criticism and uh, it, the fact that you're now whining about it and talking about how you already knew that and you already put it out kind of proves the point that you're really not self-aware that you were simply using it fraudulently to in hopes that somebody else won't use it so i think there's every situation is different and it's it really you don't have to say you're self-aware to be self-aware just be who you are simply fucking exist if more people would just exist and shut up about the stupid stuff lord wouldn't be in a much better entertainment place in youtube oh god yeah like it's a very youtube has become it's a very it's weird like it's become very weird like how oh i'm just like i'm just trying to think of the word like, the way people treat each other and the, and the way, like, the backstabbing <laughs> and everything. Like, obviously, there's going to be drama. There's going to be drama yeah. regardless. But the way it's sort of drama's become a way to grow yourself into, like, how people... It's, it's hard to explain what I mean. But like, it's a weapon. It's a yeah, weapon. It's yes. a weapon. YouTube, YouTube is, is a very interesting entity because of where it started to where it is now. And, of course, when you add money and business into something it complicates it inevitably and then when you add something into it like the way youtube has grown because there's simply nothing like youtube on the planet 
not it is a it is yeah. a legitimate source of entertainment and media now. It rivals television, and some people would say it surpassed television in some ways. So you have this entity that is growing before everybody's eyes. Nobody knows what to do with it. No one really knows how to regulate it. We see that with the business model of the advertisements and how that could go awry with the adpocalypse. So you have all these rules that are developing as YouTube is growing and no one really knows what to do with it. Then you have the factor of the interpersonal relationships that at the end of the day, none of us are in this, not many of us at least, are in this that started in a form of outside entertainment you know we didn't have child acting classes we didn't have agents we didn't have people who were teaching us how to deal with this we were a great majority of us kids who just started speaking to a microphone and then we have to deal with all the things that happen if you get famous look at leafy look at uh look at look at uh, uh, santoris look at all these kids that found even pewdiepie to an extent the young people who had to deal with unbelievable success fame and money and they did it in the public eye that's hard to do and they had no coaching so it, 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 there's no rules to this we're simply just we're, we're figuring out as it goes on and it's gonna be messy we're gonna screw each other over people humans are very petty especially when they they feel they have something to, to lose and so yeah, people are gonna screw each other over but i think you see the people who succeed they have the people around them that they know that they can trust uh, I, th I think you need that. You need you need to be able to trust somebody here. Nobody does this on their own. Nobody is singularly their own creation, and that's it. They, everybody's had help. Everybody's had help, and nobody really wants to give credit to that help yeah. most of the time. I think it's healthy. Yeah, I think it is. I agree with that. I didn't, what I wanted to mention was the whole public eye thing because it's very, very different to a traditional celebrity. Like, you know, they're oh, in the God, public yeah. eye in the sense that you know, there'll be cameras following them. They're always at events of some sort and they're always doing something. But here, like for example, with with most content creators, they're inside in their bedrooms and they might not even go right. outside a lot, but they're still in that public eye on social media and whatnot. And it's it's a whole different type of even, it's a whole different type of dangerous as well, like with people hacking into your, your personal belongings and a lot of those things can ruin people. It really can. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. It's... And then you look at it even further with a lot of the people who do the in real life streams now, you know, so when they are going out, they're constantly vlogging. You look at a, a guy like um, Andy Melianakis, who is a legit celebrity. Mm. He, he's a legit celebrity. Now, he's gone over to Twitch and he's doing these in real life streams and he's just walking around with with the data plan and a camera. And it's a new type of danger. It's a new type of of media it's a man on the street but it's it's more raw it's more visceral and there's dangers that come along with that and a lot of people are doing it so your life is out there in a way that it's it's not in the media in regular form of traditional media yeah t you have your tmz and your regular paparazzi but for us we're our own paparazzi you know you see Con kanye west with a with a freaking camera just sitting there what's up everybody just want to give you a little input on my day i'm about to go bang kim kardashian you know you don't mm. see that you know because they grew up in a different form of media of what's accepted what's not accepted rules to follow blah 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 and then you have the uh, the encumbering nature of fame because you have the paparazzi we don't have that we do to an extent but we make most of it ourselves. And so there's just a whole nother rule set that you have to follow. 
And we don't know it. We don't know the rule set. It's yeah, still no, developing. There's no, there's no book. There's no. There's nothing yeah. you can do to. T- you've just got to, you know, learn from the thing. Yeah, you got to learn from everyone else. From from everyone else's mistakes. Right. Like with the whole PewDiePie thing of the whole. You've like you've got to be really careful how you make a joke, because not everybody is going to yeah. receive it the same way. It's like obviously like there's that there's the um what's they call the social justice warrior just the attitude sure. from a lot of people but you've got to you've got to pick and choose you really have to pick and choose what sort of jokes you make and how you how you make them as well like people can make really well, context matters yes it yes that's exactly right the the word i i dubbed this on catch 33 and tommy probably he, he thinks it's one of the smartest things i've ever said i don't know about that but uh, i said the war for context is being fought right now because you have the Wall Street Journal and other entities that are trying to attack other mainstream media trying to attack YouTube, this new type of media, because the influence that YouTube is garnering is taking away from the old media. So they're trying to go with any attack they can. So they're going to use what you say. They're going to use your jokes. If you're big enough to warrant attention, they're going to use the jokes. But they're trying to do it without context. And I think people are getting tired of that and they're seeing through that wait a second that's not exactly what he said i definitely don't see the connection to him being a nazi why because he made a video where he was referencing things that nazis did that's not really being a nazi at all because inevitably context matters so it's hopefully that will shine through more so yeah you have to be careful but as long as you are very clear about your context i think ultimately you can defend it you can't be afraid to defend it. And so many people are. They shut the fuck up and they don't defend their own position. Defend your position. Own who you are. That's it. Exactly right. Do you think PewDiePie... What do you think What do you think of the context of his Nazi joke? Like, because he is a comedy... Really, he is a comedy channel. And the way yeah. he went about it, it I, was... Mm, I'm not sure. Like, I feel satirical. like it was a joke. It, it, it was, it was satirical. It, yeah. It was satirical. I feel it was... Look, at any time in the videos did you ever hear him say gas Jews? Any time in the video did you see ever see him uh, referencing any white supremacist groups or uh, anti-Semitic groups that you should be following or anything? No, because it didn't happen. He dressed up in an outfit, which, by the way, wasn't even German. It was, it was fucking Russian, I believe. <laughs> uh, and he, he made... A, it was tasteless. Sure. Was it, was it not the smartest thing to do? Absolutely. Does it make you a Nazi because you sit there and you uh, make fun of something that happened in the past? No, of course not. Of course not. You actually have to incite hatred. You have to be calling for the extinction of a race, of, a, of, a, of an ideology, of, of a thought process, something. You've got to be calling for that to be a hateful person, a hate monger. You have to actually incite something. And he didn't do that. He made a joke, dumb joke. Context matters. Well, then you compare that to, was it Kathy Griffin, who, well, as of this recording, was only in the last 24 hours, hold, um, with the picture of her holding up a mutilated head of Donald Trump. Yeah, I think that's complete. I think there's apples and oranges because there is no context for that. You're holding up a bloody, gory, unbelievably accurate likeness to the president of the United States. There is no, you're only asking for one thing there that there's no, it had it been a mannequin that just had like Trump hair and it was, and there was no blood on it or anything. And she had a smile on her face and it was just like, that's one thing, but this is so different. It, 
that is an indictment for murder. <laughs> That's the only way that can be taken. There's, and the funny thing to me is everybody seems to be having the exact same thought process on that because it's, it's almost impossible to defend, it's, especially when there's no comedic context to it at all because she is an advocate for a lot of uh, fringe and uh, alternative lifestyle organizations and groups. So she has a political influence. She does have that, not only just being a comedian. So I think she has a different standard because of that. And she has a different obligation. Now, people seem to be hammering her so hard that even Squatty Potty has dumped her as a spokesperson. Think about that for a second. Her name is so bad. What she did was so reprehensible that Pooping doesn't want her involved <laughs> with her name. The process of sh taking a dump is like, you know what, Kathy? We we don't need you around us. <laughs> Move oh, on. That, that's funny. You can go have a nice day. I, I think it's apples and oranges. I think it's a, a different thing. That That is a clear message of, of hate and inciting. That is inciting. See, context is so important there because you're holding a man's head in your hand. You're not making a joke about Hitler. You're, you're holding a head a fucking head in your hand staring menacingly into mm. a camera it's 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 different to me yeah and it's even the joke itself it's it's sort of the um it's the horse that's been beaten like so many times already nobody likes trump like sure like right. we all know that but that's sort of like like it's a joke that sort of didn't really need to be made because the whole donald it had been beaten to death the whole, we don't, I don't like Donald I don't Donald think it's even the joke. That's the thing. I Like, where's the joke? I'm still trying to find the joke. Well, it was the joke, let's kill him? I, uh, Where's the joke? You know, I think with mm. someone like what Snoop Dogg did, Snoop Dogg had a guy who looked like Trump, dressed up like a clown, and then he shot him in his video. That didn't get condemned enough, so another comedian, another entity, another person with even a larger scope of power, politically especially, mm. uh, was able to be emblazoned by that, emboldened by that, and take it a step farther. There's got to be some sort of line here. I mean, I, I don't think, even if you have no respect for the man, I think you have to have an inherent respect for the position, for the office. And I think calling for an execution of a guy who has still yet to be proven to do anything in a fascist way. He's, he has not killed people in the streets. He's not a dictator. This is not Assad we're talking about. He hasn't gassed his own population. I, I think it's a, it's, it's a little fucking extreme. And yeah. it's, it's wrong morally, I believe. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, that's why I try to keep myself out of political discussion because, right. like, he does, he's going to, okay, he's going to do good things and he's going to do bad things. At this stage, there's a lot of, like, maybe not good things, but, you well, know, we're 120 days in. Yeah. There's no way of knowing anything. It's like, how can you get anything accomplished when there's every day, there's dozens of stories of just unfounded allegations i mean that all this is is a discrediting tactic and we see this with us as youtubers all the time you don't have to give facts look at keemstar this is a perfect example and this is actually in defense of keemstar believe it or not you look at how great and leafy fucked him fucked him to this day doesn't matter what keemstar has ended up doing to me or tommy i don't give a shit about that he was fucked by great and leafy what did they do they just made up a goddamn story that other youtubers told them that he was talking shit. That's all they had to present. They had to present no facts, 
no context, no meaning behind their words. They only had to present an accusation. And because of the nature of what's going on in social media, because of the nature of how people ha are, have just kind of bought into this fanaticism, this fandom, it was enough to almost fucking end Keem. He had to get two schlubs on the internet, one in Clown, who was under 100,000 subs at the time, and one in Tommy, who had less than 1,500 subs at the time, to humanize him. And once he got humanized, he went right back to the behavior that that made people like Graydon Leafy want to fuck him in the first place. It's a vicious cycle. Damn. It's interesting. I did a walk out. That's actually leads to something I want to talk about. The whole like, yeah. you, like I wanted to talk about. Now, buddy, lost my train of thought. I wanted to talk about how <laughs> Catch Thirty Three came to be because, like, obviously, like, a lot of people who listen okay. to this podcast in particular don't know all these stories. But how did, in a, in a, you know, like a summarized way, tell us how in a nutshell, the, in, uh, a nu <laughs> in a nutshell, how did it come to be? Well, in a nutshell, uh, Keemstar, Tommy, and Clown had baited, mm. and it was it was precarious from the beginning. You know, I think most people who were a fan of baited realized that it was going to end at some point, and inevitably it did. Uh, Clown and Tommy moved on after some irrecon irreconcilable differences arose, and they decided to make their own podcast. Uh, the funny thing is most people believe that Tommy fought to bring me in. That is not true. <laughs> Tommy wanted to, when they were going to start their, a third a new podcast, the third guy that Tommy wanted was actually a much larger YouTuber, a big, one of the bigger, biggest YouTubers, in fact. Some of the names that they were throwing around were much bigger than me. What I found interesting when I got the call from Tommy, he was like, Clown wants you. I'm like, what? That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But okay, you know, so uh, that's just kind of how it started. And then we started going through the process of putting it together. And it's, it's, it's kind of going to a, what, it, what it is. And I think we're still trying to find a definition because as much as I think that Catch 33 is the best podcast on YouTube, it's hard to make that claim when you don't put out episodes. So it's, it's a double-edged. So we're the Haley's Comet of YouTube. We're unbelievably great when you see us. But then you have to wait a fucking long time to get another glimpse. <laughs> oh, I like that. The Haley's Comet of YouTube. I like that. <laughs> so why have it? So obviously, clown is hard to get. Clown is hard yes. to fit into a schedule. Is that is that the main reason? Is that the reason that you guys haven't been able to put out consistent episodes? Yeah, and I don't even. He doesn't have a problem with any of us saying it because it is it is true. Uh, clown and not to throw him under the bus. He's just got a very hectic, hectic lifestyle. He's got a very hectic, he's got a real job. He's got real responsibilities and he also has a lot of interests and it doesn't allow for a lot of time to get other things done. So we have fallen by the wayside uh, as far as that goes. Um, so it, it is what it is. Would I like this to be a weekly or or a bi-weekly thing? Absolutely, because I feel we would have already buried Baited. Baited, I don't think, if we're going every week, I don't think Baited exists anymore. I believe that because I think we're, we're, we're head and shoulders better than that podcast. 
or it's and anybody else who just sits there and scream over each other. Yeah. I think we're better than that. And I don't mean that sound arrogant in that. I just I think Tommy Clown and I have this really in Vega as well, have this very interesting dynamic where we can talk and, and we can go after each other, we can disagree, but we don't do it in a way where it's just you lose focus on what's happening and just want to masturbate to the misery, you know? And then you have Vega, who I believe is the most talented creator besides clown on the platform as far as what vega is able to do visually is is stunning it's, it really, it's stunning yes so it really I, is. I think we have a very special thing like and this might be just me and i i try to look on the i don't know i might be just very optimistic and with a lot of things mm-hmm. but i don't think baited is horrible i don't think it's like really no bad. i don't either no i think it's no, i don't either it's all right it's it's not i don't think it's good i think it's all right and you know, I think they've gotten to a point where they've figured out their... They should have figured out their kinks. They should have figured out what needs right. to be fixed and whatnot. But with you and Tommy and Clown... Like, obviously, there's there's a bit of a past there. Like, you and... With Tommy and Clown and with you and Tommy. And I think it's just the three of you together and with Vega. It's just become... It's a very... It flows. It flows much better than Beta does. Beta just seems like they... How do I explain it? It just seems like they they talk about something, and some Keemstar seems he's the new he's a new Tommy in a way, and I think it's somebody's made that. It, it's made the Keemstar analogy. show. Yeah, Keem did this and baited as well. Keem, hmm. Keem did this and baited as well, where it was all about him, but he had a guy like Clown that was there to make a counterpoint, and it was just fascinating. Listening to Clown and Keem argue is fascinating. There's no question about that. People like it, and they can listen to it at length. You need a buffer, and Tommy was that buffer. Now you just have Keemstar constantly railing on. Ba- I mean, Jesus Christ! The last episode, he went on about me. Of I'm an 8,500 sub channel. Why the fuck are you wasting time on me? You have Billy the Fridge, an unbelievably talented guy, as your guest, and you let him talk for four and a half minutes, and then you screamed about my fat ass for 20. And Tommy for the rest. It makes no sense. And you've got to get over yourself at some point. You've got to start caring about your project. You've got to start caring about your fans. But here's the thing. Keemstar believes that this is that people just want to hear him scream. And I do think that there is a demographic that does. But there's a reason why he stays around the same subline. He's not PewDiePie for a reason. PewDiePie had a way to connect with people that made them want to follow him for a 10-year period. They started off as children, just like he was, and they've stayed with him into adulthood. Keemstar burns through 13 and 14-year-olds just over and over. Once they become 17, 18, 19, 20, they can't stay with it because once you start getting older and your sensibilities change, you're like, what the fuck am I listening to? This makes no sense. So you go away. You find something else. But there's always more 13 and 14-year-olds, so he continues to have that presence. At least that's what I believe. Yeah. I know I agree. I do agree with that. The f- it's funny. The, f- the, the time that I've enjoyed listening to Keemstar the most wasn't on Baited and wasn't on, any, like, wasn't on anything he's, he's done that was his own project. It was on when he was on the H3 podcast because he was humanized. He was, yeah. he did, like, he's, like, he told his story. He's a very interesting person. He really is. But when he's this, it's not he even is. just that when he's, when he's a cat, when he plays his character, but when he plays his character to a point where 
you know, it's feeding his, where he sort of like feeds his own ego with talking over everyone and oh, the way he screams, like the way he, the way he presents himself, if he just like took it back a notch and changed a few things, I think a lot more people would like him. I really do. You know, it's interesting because you referenced the H3H3 podcast. He, I don't know if there is a character anymore with Keemstar. I, mm. I, maybe there was once, but Keem is smart when it comes to knowing when to really lay on the shtick. He couldn't get away with that with Ethan. Ethan's big enough that, I mean, you go back to the beta episode that Ethan was on. Tommy asked him straight out, do I have something to worry about here? And, and, and well, actually asked that to Leafy, but um, he, Ethan called Keemstar out, and so did Hila, I believe. They both said, eventually, are you going to go back to the way that you were before your image got kind of restructured? And Keem was adamant that he wouldn't, and of course, he fucking did. <laughs> so it's, it's very interesting. But he couldn't get away with being that same character on Ethan's show because Ethan is big. Ethan could fuck him up if he wanted to. Ethan's got that type of presence. He's got that type of talent, and he's got the type of audience where someone like him, someone like an iDubs, someone like a, a, a friggin' PewDiePie, they could end him if they wanted to. So he's a little bit different with them because there's actual fear there. That's what I believe. See, the thing with Keemstar is, unless somebody completely, completely destroys him, which is quite unlikely, he's never going to go away and he's never going to change yeah. because he's, he's, in the end, he's, he is his own boss. He is. Yeah. And he's like, he is, he's yeah. the boss of what he does and what he puts out. And there's, there's nothing we can do to change that. He's No, and you know what? I don't no. even know if that there should be. I think that there is a... Absolutely a viable uh, market for Keem. He's been successful for a very long time. And let's not take away from that. He deserves credit for the success that he has garnered. That is, especially in the dirty fucking manner of which it is. I mean, Jesus, it, it, he started with trolling. And drama alert is inherently a toxic... It's the TMZ of YouTube. It, it's These are not pleasant things to listen to because you are just masturbating to misery at the end of the day it's 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 all misery it's all drama it's all negativity which i don't have a problem with because negativity does sell so you have to give him even more credit because he's been able to stay viable and 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 constantly survive endless waves of backlash that's impressive he is a survivor but so are cockroaches yeah but so are cockroaches so keep that in mind mm, i like the analogy that's interesting do you think, do you think Catch Thirty Three will ever, like it's like, do you think it will ever become a weekly thing? Do you think it'll become like because clowns are obviously it's very interesting. He could make a living. It's and Keemstar brought this up. He could clown could make a living on what he does on talking yeah. on what he makes. Why don't you think he has? If clown becomes a full time creator. Uh, he will be one of the most successful people on the platform. He will skyrocket above a million subscribers. And if that translates to doing Catch 33 on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that it, it could happen. I, I think so. But that would require Clown to put his entire life that he has ever known on hold. To everything that he has accomplished in his personal life up to this point, he's got to say that takes a back seat to my passion. 
And sometimes that's harder to do, especially with some of the circumstances that surround his life personally. So it's a difficult thing to do. And I'm hoping one day he decides to take that risk because it is a risk. It is one bad YouTube video and your credibility could be over and this ride ends like that. So it's, it is an absolute risk. And um, I hope he takes it because I think he'll be successful. And obviously that would translate to us being able to get out more stuff for Catch-33. So I have selfish reasons as well for wanting that to happen. But um, just looking at my friend, I want to see Clown become bigger than he is now because I think he has the talent to warrant that. But it's a tough decision. It, it's one that he's going to have to make eventually. I think, yeah, I really hope he does because I still think – like, obviously, no, because that's the thing. Nobody knows what he looks like. Nobody knows his real name. Nobody knows his <laughs> real life. But if he does, he's like, he's a, he's one of the smartest people I've, I've ever known. I've ever, I've ever seen on YouTube. He just seems to get it. And I feel like if he did go yeah. full, t- if I, if he, if he did go full time as a content creator on YouTube or on the internet, he'd be smart enough of how often he puts out stuff how he puts out stuff. Like I could see him like just in like when I see him going full time right now, I can see him being on catch 33 Mm. every week, but then not putting out a video every week on his channel because that's the thing. When he puts out a video, it's an event. It's not just another video we can watch weekly. Like I could see him. And that's like what some creators have done with your filthy Franks and even your V sources. They're not putting out videos every week or even every second week. They're putting out these thought through well done videos that like their events they're them they're, they're short films in a way they really are it's not just they've sh- also garnered their own communities of creators i mean look at filthy frank uh, in particular with all the people that have spawned from from that group it, there's there's a lot of people there's a lot of people who have all gone on to their own followings including anything for food i mean anything for views uh, it, it just all these uh, people have spawned from those groups, you know, and the IDubs, Max Mofos, all these people that were inherently around each other that have spawned this uh, this community. It's 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 rather interesting. So you don't have to create your own stuff when the people that you associate with, or are associated with you rather, are mm-hmm. creating stuff because that kind of feels like a reflection of you. So it's kind of interesting. And it helps each other. It's very interesting. It's a very like, there's this whole thing of you have to put out stuff regularly if you want people to sort of, to, to help yourself grow. You've got to put out stuff to help yourself grow. But there are so many examples of people who have, who now, at least now their content creation, really, or their content release schedule is not weekly or bi-weekly or even every three weeks. Some of them are every few weeks or every month, but they still happen to have yeah, but some of the biggest audiences. That typically, that typically happens... But that typically happens after they've already garnered that audience because you're, you, you're able to do that. Look, same bat time, same bat channel existed for a reason. You, you wanted people to know where they can find you and when. People are scheduled by nature. They like to know when something's going to happen. TGIF happened for a reason. A block of shows that a family could gather around on a Friday night from 8 to 10. You knew what you were getting, so you scheduled your life around it. Now, inherently, that's changing a little bit because everything is a 24-hour cycle and everybody has a phone on them. They have a way of watching anybody, so you don't necessarily have to be as stringent on your scheduling. But 
if people know that every single night Dead on Dave Live is going to be going on at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there's a comfort level about that. If you know that your favorite show on YouTube is going to be every Sunday, no matter what time on Sunday, you know that you're going to get that video on Sunday. It makes you feel better. Now, when you grow and you get bigger, you don't have to adhere to those same rules because you have an audience now. You have somebody that they're in, they're ride or die, and you're probably not going to lose them no matter what you do. But I think that one of the best ways to help yourself grow at an early stage, at an early level, is to be consistent. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's why I've sort of been putting out, like with my, okay, I've got a web series and it's hard to put out good videos every week. So I've got complimentary series like behind the scenes, a commentary, yeah. a podcast based around the creation of that. And that's why I've made my podcast a twice a week. But, and I've been, and I was thinking about it before. Why do, like in general, how do the Filthy Franks and the V sources and all, and, 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 and Clown, how do they keep themselves big? How do they keep themselves relevant? And like, how do they keep their videos like relevant? How do they grow like that? Like, Clown's an interesting example because he did never, he never, he never ever put out videos regularly, ever. And I was thinking no, about never, it. No, never, no, no, <laughs> ever. And it's he, he's and, one of those weird things hmm. because he didn't like. That's an exception though, not a rule. Clown was the videos that he was able to put out. I think he's only put out like ten videos to date. You know, and they come out so sporadically and months and months apart, but yet he continues to grow. Part of that is because a lot of people who upload every day started to get punished by the algorithm. And there was the, you know, whether or not there was an actual sub glitch or whatever. I can tell you this from my own experience, uploading videos every day, I still see two or three subs that go away every time I upload. There's something wrong with the algorithm. There's something wrong with YouTube that does unsub people sporadically. Technically, typically you always get it back, but still it can be frustrating. Clowns never had to go through that because he only uploads every three, four months. So now it's become, like you said, it's become an event. People have got it. Everybody talks about it. iDubs does a lot of content, but what's the big thing that everybody always makes sure that they're around for? Content cop. He's made his own event, even though he's a rather consistent uploader himself so it's it's interesting sometimes you can make the case that events are bigger and better depending on who you are and depending your skill level how good you are at this that that could trump scheduling but that's again that's an exception not a rule you have to be immensely talented to pull that off no you really do and that link because it was was links what i was going to say because i was thinking about my podcast and because I try to record them like a few weeks in advance, whatnot, because well, now I'm going on a twice weekly schedule. And I was talking to one of the guys we have on the podcast. I'm like, how can we talk about current things, but still make them episodes people want to listen to? And he said, and it was, it's as simple as this, just make it funny. And that links to Clown, just make it good. He is so good that it doesn't matter what his schedule is. People are going to come and watch him because... He's just yeah. that good. He's just that good at creating engaging videos that make you think. It's funny. It's really it's interesting. Agreed. It's it's a, agree more. it's a, it is it's not even a, it's a is it a skill? Can you learn how to do that? I don't know if you can. I I don't know if you can le- I don't know if that is something you can learn. It, it, inevitably you are going to you, you either have that ability 
You know, I think even you have that ability to learn it. You know, there has to be something at its core about you that is interesting, exciting, engaging. I mean, like, not everybody that just smashes a bottle over their head garners a huge audience. You know, it's you have to be able to have that ability inherently. And um, it's hard to learn. It's hard, it's hard to learn to be funny. Either you have comedic timing or you don't. Either you have a smart sense of humor that people are like, wow, what Chris Raygun is a perfect example of that. He's witty. He's clever. He could take you apart because he is smarter than your average person. And he knows how and clown is in that same category as far as how to translate that comedically. That's not something that you could sit and read from a book and learn how to do because you still have to be able to d deliver those lines. You might be able to explain it, but if you're stumbling all over yourself, well, then who's listening to you? You have to be engaging. You got to be able to hold people. And either you're able to or you're not. Yeah, and you're exactly right. It's not something like you can make yourself a bit better. You can, it's like you can present yourself in a better way to make yourself more engaging. Yeah. And like, you know, it's not going to like, it's you know, the way you, I can liken yeah. this to baseball. I'm a big baseball guy. And I think there's a perfect analogy that's been made before. It's, it's perfect. Maybe you can get up there as a ball player, as a baseball player, and you can hit a fastball. You can hit that fastball and you can crush it. And wow, people are really taking notice of you because you can crush that fastball. But can you hit a curveball? Either you can hit that curve or you can't. And guess what? If you can't hit that curveball, you're not going to the majors. So being able to crush a fastball that has no movement, that's just right over the heart of the plate, that'll get you so far. That'll get you a following. But unless you can hit that curve, unless you can do the things that life throws at you and show that you can excel in that next level, you're not going to that next level. You can either hit the curve or you can't. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then there's, there's always ways you can put yourself in a better position. Like with that analogy, the way you stand, the way you hold the bat. But you can only get sure. so far. You can only get so far. Indeed. Indeed. Now, you can also compensate in other ways by being an incredible worker. Not to go back to Keem, but Keem outworks everybody. You know, we talk about that hustle. We talk about why he's sustained popularity. It's because he outworks everybody. That man is a monster worker, and he deserves credit for that. I may not like him, but Jesus Christ, is he a worker. He busts his ass. And, and that's, that's half the battle. That, it it really is. Is. But he's also an inherently entertaining person. Yeah. He's got, in, like, as a child, you could tell he was that kid who garnered attention. He just, you, you, he's magnetic. There's something about the way he speaks, the way he talks, the way he holds himself that you cannot deny is entertaining. And that, that's something that either you have or you don't have. You, it, is, it is that simple. It is that simple. Before, like, before, we, before we finish things up, we'll get back. Let's get yeah. back on to Dave. Let's get back on to Dead on Dave. I wanted All to right. talk about what's the future for you? What is the future for your channel, for Catch 33, for other projects? Is there, like, over the next few years, what do you see yourself doing? Oh, God, I just hope I'm alive in the next few <laughs> years. That's that's my hope. Uh, uh, with, you know, it's, I don't, I wish I could say that I have, oh, look, I have things that I want to do. I have, I have different shows that I'd like to evolve. I would like to become bigger in the Pokemon community. That is, that's mm. a goal that I have. And I have made some really good friends. And I think that I'm starting to garner a little bit of following in that community, which is kind of cool. Um, but 
as far as what I see, I honestly, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to constant. Ah, man, it's such a, it's okay. This is such a hard question because either you answer it one way and you sound overconfident or arrogant or you're self-deprecating, or you just sound like you're full of shit and pretentious. So it's so hard to answer this question because the reality is all I know is I'm just going to continue to do what I do. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to keep on making videos every day. I'm going to keep talking to people. I'm going to keep interacting. That's, that's really the plan. And as long as I can continue to do that and have fun, well, I think everything else will sort itself out. Just rolling with the punches. You just yep. got to go with the flow. That's what it is. Absolutely. That's interesting. Whether Clown uh, starts being more consistent with Catch 33 or not, I'm always ready to work. I'm always ready to go. If other people have other projects that they would like to do, I'm open to listening. Am I going to leave Catch 33? Absolutely fucking not. They're going to have to they're going to have to hire a a security force to get me out of that job. I love Catch 33 and I'll always continue to do it. But at the same time, I'm always going to be open to other projects as well because I think I can do I'm I'm uniquely positioned because I have no I I don't have a job. I don't have a whole hell of a lot of responsibilities. My daughter is 12 years old. She's rather self-sufficient. Yeah, I'm still daddy and all that, but I mean like I have a lot of free time. A lot of masturbation period, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, I got time on my hands to kind of really jam that masturbation joke in there. Oh, that's perfect. Well, all the best to you, Dave. I hope, I hope you grow. I hope Thank more you, people I know the name Dead on Dave. I really do. This has been a We Are On We production. Head to onwe.tv for more.